Hi guys, I'm Daniel Hanbali and this is something to consider. The relationship one has with change is an evolution that comes with age and experience. We often see change as a lesson in adaptation versus an opportunity for reflection and learning. If you've been listening to previous episodes, you know that I'm someone who has become very comfortable with the idea of change. My take on it now revolves more around curiosity and anticipation of why it's happening now in terms of timing and what it's trying to tell me. I also try my best not to rush into the reflective phase of change too fast, as that can also disrupt its existence. That being said, when change's disruption amplifies chaos in my life, I still fall into the trap of losing my faith in its ability to get me where I need to be now at this exact moment. Which led me to this thought of when a problem arises, don't look for the answer, but try to sit with the question. Sit with the question. The discomfort of it. The distress of it. In some cases, perhaps more rare cases, the joy of it. This trail of thought led me into the next topic I want to discuss today. It may feel a bit controversial given the belief system we've all followed, whether you're religious or possess a mindset of drive and passion in your journey to overcoming adversity on your way to success. Gratitude. Gratitude as an ethos of how to live life is a game changer. I will consistently be quoted as saying that shifting my mindset to one of gratitude has saved me in my darkest hour. Whether it is acknowledging it verbally, writing it privately, thinking it constantly, or seeing it arise in the middle of my struggles, the notion of gratitude has proven to me firsthand that it is truly the foundation of abundance in life. Physically and metaphysically, it's insane. And once you start to notice what it brings, it transcends beyond being just a belief system and changes your life in ways that are just inescapable. You almost feel the need to literally stop and absorb the magnitude of its effects in your immediate environment and go as far as announcing it to the world as this profound philosophy that you don't understand how no one is talking about this. The irony, though, is that people have been talking about it for centuries. People have referenced it in history, movies, religion, culture, even traditions passed down from generation to generation. There are businesses that have been built and scientific studies published on the premise of how gratitude can exponentially better one's life once it is immersed into the way you think and act on a daily basis. Just yesterday, I was sharing this with a friend of mine. This notion of how living life like I was the luckiest girl on earth has rewired the way I think, where instead of things happening to me, I see how they are happening for me where getting sick has become, oh, my body just needs some rest and love and I'm glad that I can slow down today. And not winning a piece of new business has become, oh, this must mean that there's something better coming for me. But this isn't the kind of gratitude that I'm questioning. Well, sort of. The consideration today comes in the form of a question that I'm sure has crossed your mind at some point in time. And that question is, if we are truly grateful for what we have and truly living this life of boundless gratitude for everything from our environment, our job, our blessings, our relationship, our families, everything, then why change? Why do we as people change or 
invest in changing aspects of our lives or seek alternative paths if the whole point of living a full life is to be grateful for what we have. No questions asked, no fight to be made. Just say Alhamdulillah about everything. This thought sent me down a cross-section of conflicting thoughts that frustrated me very much, particularly because I could not figure out where the line starts and ends when it comes to being content versus aspiring for more or for change. Does the mere thought of wanting more make me less grateful? Does it make me less deserving? Isn't this gluttonous nature a sin within itself? Also, does the change have to start as a response to external circumstances that naturally come with life? When does one need to be proactive? I remember feeling this most when I would make major decisions in life. Decisions like moving from Dubai back home to Kuwait, then from Kuwait to Dubai again. When I left a particular job in pursuit of one that would give me something I couldn't even define yet when I decided not to get married to a particular person, when I left the security of a job to start a business and become an entrepreneur, when I sold and exited my very successful business, decisions that did not make sense for anyone else. Why, Dana? Why can't you just be grateful for what you have? Why can't you just be content? When will enough be enough? I was bombarded by these questions that I truly did not have answers to, And while I admit these are warranted questions to be asked, especially from those who may care about me deeply, it was overwhelming to feel the weight of explanations I felt I owed. Explanations that, again, I didn't have answers to, nor did I feel like anyone would understand. How do we honor our hunger for growth and our gratitude for the present? When is more just more? And what do we do about the impeding fear of our blessings being taken away from us as a result of not being grateful? When we go through life thinking that everything we have has been given and that it can be taken away, it implies that this idea of accountability is sitting with someone outside of ourselves. All right, let's keep religious beliefs aside for now as we try and examine the philosophical thought behind this. If something is given to you because, let's say, you are deemed worthy, what does that leave for the pursuit of anything? Where does that leave us in terms of progressive development as individuals? Because when accountability is removed from the equation, it in turn takes away the notion of us having a hand in participating actively in life. It implies that we are passive bystanders awaiting fate to take control of our path. And if we live in fear of our blessings being taken away because we weren't grateful, therefore we need to remain in a constant state of content till the end of time. Where does that leave motivation and aspiration? If I were to look at this from a business perspective, it falls into the same train of thought. Jeff Bezos could have stopped with selling books on Amazon. He had mastered a model which was so ahead of its time within the first few years of operation, it was valued at billions of dollars on the stock exchange. Why not be grateful for that and just perfect the model? Why become what some would call the backbone of modern consumerism on the internet? It was the immense success of Amazon as a business model that drove its visionary to reevaluate the state of his business and his purpose from being the world's largest bookstore to a destination built around the customer to find and buy anything online. 
Yes, I understand I'm leaving out facts about his particular story and the commitments that come from being a listed company, but it makes sense even as an investor. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So I started to wonder where this feeling or drive for change comes from. What makes me take the first step in participating in change in my life? Why does anyone do this really? And in my own research and conversations with others, I found that it is actually more instinctual than we realize. It starts and ends from a place within ourselves that we so often ignore. Our gut. Is it any wonder that we're always told to listen to our gut when logic is no longer serving a purpose in managing life's discomfort? Aristotle referred to the gut as the seat of the soul and believed that certain emotions actually originate from the gut. So now scientists have established, after denying it for so long, that there is in fact a connection between the gut and the brain through a complex network of nerves, hormones, and other signaling molecules. This connection is known as the gut-brain axis, and it has been linked to a variety of health issues, including, but not limited to, anxiety, depression, and other mental health disorders. Interesting. So as mental health research becomes more accessible to all and more of a conversation in our daily lives today, we finally get a confirmation that something inside of ourselves has the power to drive decisions that isn't necessarily rooted in logic alone, that when ignored can actually cause issues with mental health. Hmm. How interesting. Interesting slash convenient. When the world is at a stage in its history where almost a billion people, 970 million to be exact, suffer from some form of mental illness that is being treated with some sort of drug. We only now start to talk about links like this. Today, the term listen to your gut is often used as a way of encouraging people to trust their intuition and pay attention to their inner feelings and instincts. This can include paying attention to gut feelings when making decisions or tuning in to the body's signals when something doesn't quite feel right. In reflecting on this, I read a really interesting book called We Are Our Brains by Dick Schwab. He says, listening to our gut instincts can be a powerful tool in decision-making. Our brains are constantly processing information, much of which we are not consciously aware of. This can result in an intuitive feeling or gut instinct that can guide us in the right direction. Research has shown that our brains are able to process complex information and come to a conclusion much faster than our conscious minds. This means that our gut instincts can sometimes be more accurate than our conscious reasoning. In fact, studies have found that people who trust their gut instincts are more often successful in their decision-making than those who rely solely on logical reasoning. Trusting our gut instincts can also help us navigate uncertain or ambiguous situations. When faced with a decision that lacks clear information, our gut instincts can help us identify potential risks or opportunities. By the way, this is an incredible book. If you are interested in learning about this some more, I'll make sure to reference it at some point on one of my social media pages. Anyways, back to the point. The truth is that passion or the yearning for more and gratitude are not mutually exclusive. In some cases, the pursuit of an alternative path can in many ways deepen your sense of gratitude for the present moment. By learning to listen to your inner instinct, 
voice or part, whatever it is that you want to refer to it as, we can potentially experience a greater sense of fulfillment and purpose. The path itself will provide opportunities to appreciate the journey and the people whom you meet and who had supported you along the way. You see, it is nice to be comfortable, but comfort is relative to where you are and where you are can change. What we want in life evolves. Our desires and priorities can change. As we experience more and interact with others, it all affects us and contributes to this ongoing adaptation of who we are at any given point in time. As we experience new things and learn more about ourselves and the world around us, our values, goals, and aspirations can shift. For example, someone who once prioritized their career above all else may find that they value family or personal relationships more as they get older. Similarly, someone who once pursued material possessions may find that they value experiences and personal growth more as they mature. Another way to look at it is that our life circumstances can change, leading us to reevaluate our goals and desires. For example, a person who has a serious health scare may begin to prioritize their health and well-being above all else. Or someone who experiences a significant loss may begin to reevaluate their priorities and what truly matters to them. It's important to recognize that evolution in what we want in life is a natural part of personal growth and development. It's okay to change your mind or shift your priorities as you navigate life's ups and downs. The key is to stay true to yourself and your values and to make decisions that align with your current goals and aspirations. I think it was Earl Nightingale who was credited with saying, most of us tiptoe our way through life hoping we make it safely to death. Regardless of the exact source of this quote, the sentiment behind it is a powerful reminder to live life to the fullest and to pursue our goals and aspirations with passion and purpose. It encourages us to take risks, embrace challenges, and seize opportunities, rather than simply coasting through life and hoping for the best. Finding your best life is an active act where I feel like agility and joy is the objective, not just resilience. Resilience is not what I'm grateful for. Resilience is a choice to move forward after falling down so many times. It is the product of my circumstances. And while I do celebrate my resilience, I don't want my life to just be made up of lessons about getting back up again. It should be about more than that. This notion of pursuit is so profound and personal to every individual it should not be dictated by how others decide you should live or what you should be grateful for. Gratitude is so powerful. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Gratitude is magical when applied to life. It is life-changing. I've seen it. I felt it. I experienced it. And I wish I could find a better way to articulate it. The constant search for meaning and purpose in life is a common human experience, and many people find that their sense of purpose and fulfillment evolves and changes over time. The key is to stay open to new experiences, to embrace opportunities for growth and self-discovery, and to live each day with intention and purpose. We've been conditioned to seek that which is the same just so we can stay together. Life has taught me that it is the exact opposite that brings people together. 
It's one's ability to stay true to themselves in spite of their surroundings and bridge new relationships with those that cross your path who may have something to teach you. You don't need to know everything about everyone or classify everyone as your forever for them to have a lasting impression in your life. On that note, I think it's important to acknowledge that everybody owes a lot to everybody in life. We spend so much time repeating that story of how we did it all alone or in spite of circumstances, which if we are honest with ourselves, isn't completely true. What we do, who we are, and what we create is a direct result of experiences with other people. In consciously participating in the act of living, we collect moments that become intricate details that fuel our purpose, creativity, and drive. We weren't built to do life alone. People need people in all forms of gore and glory. Now that is something to be truly grateful for. Keep going, keep growing. What if all this has been leading you to something incredible? Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for the privilege of your time and an even bigger thank you to those of you that have subscribed and followed my channels. I am so appreciative of your comments and feedback, and I love seeing the shares. Aside from really helping me get better at writing these episodes, this engagement really helps me meet my own objectives in growing this platform. Your support in every way is so appreciated. I love hearing your feedback on the content and receiving all of your messages and questions, and I'm trying to find ways to address them in future episodes, so rest assured, I'm listening too. I welcome you to reach out in any way. If you have any feedback, I would love to hear it all. In the meantime, I hope you found something to consider.